Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Well, good morning, guys. I hope you all are doing well. Um, my name is Ethan Lippert, and I'm the pastoral assistant here at LifePoint Church. Um, it is an honor to be able to wor- worship with each one of you. It truly touches my heart. Um, I'm very thankful for this opportunity that Pastor Lane has given me to preach the word. It is truly a gift. I can't believe it, right? It's Christmas season already. Don't the years just fly by? Well, that's what I hear. And I'm sure one day get to experience um, in a more fuller measure, I should say. I mean, anyway. Um, but in our, and our bellies might still be full with Thanksgiving, at least mine is. Um, but my hope is that this Christmas season, we would prepare our hearts and our minds to worship Jesus. Prepare us to receive what he has for us, that our lives would testify to his salvation and his story. So this morning, we're going to begin a new uh, series called The Prophecy of Christmas. And in this series, we're going to see that the birth of Jesus Christ reveals God's plan of salvation. God, who is love, planned to come to us and being like us and to live among us and to show us who he was. God told us long before Jesus' birth that he would come to us. To many, These words didn't matter, and to many others, they just wouldn't believe. But for all who listened and believed, God's prophecy became the most precious promise ever made and fulfilled. God fulfilled his prophecy. He sent Jesus, who took on flesh to live with us and to walk among us, who laid down his life to pay our sin debt who was raised to life and he gives his life to those who believe in him and to make us like him when we trust in him. The Prophecy of Christmas is a series to help us treasure and ponder the great gift of God the Father in sending Jesus Christ, his son, that all who would believe in him might receive eternal life with him. And our prayer is that in this series, um, every person would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the cleansing from sin and the eternal life that he gives to his children. So this morning, we're going to consider how the birth of Christ was foretold to Joseph, and that's going to be found in Matthew 1. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25 this morning? And we'll read the text together. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is God's word should be believed and received as such this morning. So to start out, guys, I have a question for each one of us. What is the biggest problem that you have ever faced? We all have a lot of problems, but, and it might be hard to know exactly which one's the biggest, but I want you guys to think of a time in your life that caused deep fear and confusion, doubt. Uh, I remember when um, Tatum, my wife, was pregnant with my son, Malachi. Um, we had just had Mila five months prior, and we were getting on to the next one, right? And so we were excited, um, and we were ready, and, and we, it had been a fairly easy pregnancy for about 12 weeks, you know, not any major sicknesses or anything like that. And at 12 weeks, we got some blood work done, and so they were able to tell us that he was going to be a boy, and that was exciting. Um, but with blood work, there also can come some other things that they can kind of infer to or maybe let you know ahead of time about something um, that may be good or bad. And so they had called us on a Friday evening. It was about 4.30. Uh, we were down um, away out of town, and, and, and they said, you know, we're, we're scared that, you know, there might be some abnormalities in his blood that Malachi may never be able to walk. And they said, we want you guys to come in first thing Monday morning, and we're going to do some more tests, um, kind of figure out what's going on. And let me tell you, Friday at 4.30, that's a scary call to receive, and, and you know, going into your weekend like that. Um, and, and I remember that day like it was yesterday, the fear, the confusion, and, and I remember the Lord just reminding me that I needed to trust in His sovereign hand, trust in His sovereign plan, and I needed to comfort and love my wife and lead her well in that time. Um, well, by God's grace, Malachi was born, a healthy little boy, and we're so thankful for that. But in that time, I know that God was teaching us something about looking to Christ in the midst of hardship, about looking to him and trusting in him even when we do not know what is ahead of us. And I know that each one of us deal with fear and confusion and problems of our own, and we deal with those in personal ways. None of us can really know what other people are going through completely. And we're called to minister to each other's hurts and heartaches um, by the Spirit's power in us, and we should do that. But there is one who speaks to the direct needs of our hearts, to the direct problems that we face, and he is, offers peace and truth. And, and today we see in our text a huge problem for Joseph. Joseph is told that the one he loves, his betrothed, is found to be with child, but it's not his. Imagine that problem. Uh, during this fear and confusion, God has a message for Joseph. And that, that message that God has for Joseph offers peace and hope, and, and I believe that that message that God gave Joseph is for us Christians too today, that Jesus Christ would be born and that he would save his people from their sins. And this leads me to my main point this morning. Following Jesus means listening to his word and obeying it by faith, even amidst the fears and confusions of this world. Matthew's gospel account comes from the Joseph's perspective of the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 1, 1 through 17, we see a lengthy genealogy um, for the birth of Jesus, showing the descendants and the lineage in which Christ would be born. We see that Christ was born in the line of David. 
that he would be the eternal king who would come from the royal line of David. And we also see that Jesus came from the line of Abraham as well, which was 14 generations prior to David. And God made a promise to Abraham that through him all the descendants of the earth should be blessed. Christ was the promised one who would come from the line of Abraham and bless every nation with salvation and a means to be reconciled to God. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, who would save his people from their sins. Jesus is the promised blessing for the whole earth to receive salvation from God. Christ was born, but Joseph, his earthly father, was put under trial. And his response teaches us about what we ought to do today when we face trials and hardships and looking to the Lord for our answer and hope. Just as fear struck my heart when I found out about Malachi, fear, which is my son, fear, I, I gotta uh, make a distinction there. Fear struck the heart of Joseph when he found that Mary was pregnant with child and it wasn't his. What was Joseph going to do, right? What are we going to do when we face trials, fears, confusions in our lives today? And I want us to hear three reminders about how we should respond to God because of his faithfulness. Three reminders about how we should respond to God because of his faithfulness. The first reminder is wait during God's promises. We're going to get this from Matthew 1, 18 and 19. So let's go ahead and look there again. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they came before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What a way to begin the story for the birth of Jesus. Men, could you imagine if your fiancé was pregnant and it wasn't your own baby? I would, I would not respond well. I don't know about you guys, but I would not respond well. And from the perspective of Joseph, he sees this and he's like, this is terrible news. This is like worst case scenario, right? I mean, there is nothing worse that could happen. And, but we read this and we're like, yay, Jesus is going to be born, right? I mean, so, so we get to see from our perspective how God worked in the midst of Joseph's trial. And, and I think there's something for us to learn here that we're in trials of our own. We're going to walk through seasons and valleys in life. And we may not know how we're going to get out of them, but we know that God, who, who got Joseph out of his trials, is the same God that we serve today. And he will be faithful to lead us out of the trials we find ourselves in. Our passage provides um, for us, the earthly parents of Jesus. Um, sorry, um, have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? A situation where there's a t time where you were convinced what you were going to do and, and the answer you were going to provide and the solution to a problem? I know there's been countless times where I have in my own wisdom been convinced that I was right about something when I know I was not. Like Joseph thought he was convinced that he was right about divorcing his betrothed. Um, I mean, think about it for a second. Think about Israel. These people had been promised by God a land flowing with milk and honey. They would be blessed and no one would be able to come against them and destroy them. 
Um, God had shown his power to them by delivering them out of slavery in Egypt. There is no one in Israel who should have doubted the power of God, right? But yet, in the waiting for these promises to be fulfilled by God, we see countless times of grumbling, of disobedience. They neglected to wait on God's promises, even though his promises are true. They will never not be fulfilled. They will always come to pass. We struggle with this today, right? How many times are we not patient and, and we desire to know things about what God is going to do, but here's the truth, we don't need them. Church, look to Christ. He is not slow in fulfilling his promises and his word is sufficient for all time in every time and season. We see and read in the scriptures of all of these times that the Lord worked powerfully in his perfect timing. He has not stopped working powerfully today either, but we need to trust in the sufficiency of Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to lead us into holiness that we may live all of our lives in a pleasing way to him, no matter what we face. And so Joseph came up with his own solution. He resolved to divorce his betrothed quietly. He decided to do what he thought was right. But God was going to show Joseph how Mary was being used by God to bring its savior into the world. The scripture here is something for us to draw out too as Christians from Joseph's situation. Waiting on the Lord is far greater than having self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency will not do anything for us because we are not God. We do not have control over everything, let alone very much of anything, right? We can't deny that. But God does have complete control in everything. And he has perfect knowledge about everything. He is the one who renews our strength. He is the one who sustains us in the trials. Waiting on the Lord is what builds our faith in the Lord. God is not surprised by the fiery trials that come upon you. We should expect them. But like Peter tells us, we have hope in the midst of them. When we wait on God and his promises to be seen by us, we will have far greater joy than seeking to accomplish what only God can do. Wait on the Lord because those who wait with eager expectation will rejoice without ceasing in the end. God was not going to leave Joseph in his own considerations. Joseph was trying to do something for God, but God was telling Joseph to wait on him. The Lord was going to move powerfully in his perfect timing to show his supernatural answer to the divine prophecy of Jesus Christ. Wait on the Lord during his promises because they are true. They never fail. The second reminder this morning comes from Matthew 1, 20 through 21. And it is trust God's word. Trust God's word. Matthew 1, 20 through 21 says, But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Guys, I've had some weird dreams, but nothing like this. I mean, 
that's, that's up there. Um, but there was no doubt for Joseph, right? There was no doubt that this was, dream was from God. And when we see the Bible mention an angel revealing something to people, we better open our eyes. We better pay attention because it's something that was previously hidden from us that God is revealing for us. And the message from the angel is one of comfort, of hope. Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. She didn't cheat on you. Do not fear, for she is with child from the Holy Spirit. She is carrying the Son of God in her womb. Therefore, Joseph didn't have to fear to take Mary as his wife because of her pregnancy, because it wasn't due to an act of unholiness on her part, but because she was carrying the only one who is holy. Why did this matter that Jesus was conceived and born of a virgin? What difference does this make for the Christian faith. The virgin birth is and has been one of the most widely criticized and attacked doctrines of the Christian faith. The teaching of the virgin birth in some areas of history has been more widely rejected than even the resurrection. The question is why? It's blatantly supernatural. There is no way to rationalize the virgin birth other than calling it what it is, miraculous. The miracle of the virgin birth is a stumbling block. It causes people to stumble because there is no way other than the virgin birth that mankind could be redeemed from sin. Christianity hinges on the truth that Jesus Christ is God. And the only way that we can come into a relationship with God is because God took on flesh and he offered his life in place of our life, to give us righteousness and give us peace with God. Through his life, death, and resurrection, man can come into relationship with God. There is no other way but besides Jesus coming into the earth by the virgin birth. There's no other way. The Holy Spirit being the one who conceived Jesus is also vital because of this other aspect. Without the Spirit being the one who placed Jesus in Mary, there was no redemption for humanity. There could be no hope for our fallen world without this taking place. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. All natural births of mankind, they're inclined to sin. They cannot obtain righteousness by their own doing or by their own strength. You cannot receive right standing with God through your own efforts. But Jesus can earn this for you because he was not born of a natural birth. Jesus did obtain righteousness and perfect obedience and observance to the law. And then what? He died for the ungodly. He was the propitiation, the payment for the sins of the world. What a hope, what a promise we can look to. Look at what Christ has given us. God promised Joseph through the angel of the Lord that he did not need to fear to take Mary as his wife. Imagine the relief, the relief that Joseph must have felt in that moment was amazing. Like this weight had just been taken off of him. All the waiting that Joseph had to endure, all the confusion that he must have felt and the fear that dominated his heart was crushed at this news. There was no doubt. There was no doubt that what God has said was true. God promised Joseph that Mary is holding the Christ in her womb. 
and from all God, and that from him all of God's people would be saved from their sin. The question is, would Joseph trust God? Would he trust God? I remember when I first met my wife, Tatum. Um, this, this just brings a smile to my face, you know. You know our wives are always the best part of us. Anyway, um, but there was a lot of things that were impressive about her, but this one kind of takes the cake. Um, she could go anywhere within a two-hour radius without a GPS. We're talking back roads, we're talking boot hill, we're talking anywhere. I mean, it was impressive. It was kind of weird. I'm like, what in the world? Um, I am the complete opposite. Okay, I'm talking, we need to go to McDonald's down the road, Apple, GPS, where, where, where are we going? Just kidding, that would be worrisome. Anyway, but the point, point of the matter is, it was impressive, and, and that's great. And I think that sometimes I fear, though, that we think we need a GPS for our Christian walk, right? We need to see 300 feet, turn right, two miles, you're at your destination. Like we're all desiring things and we're wanting to see progression in our walk with Christ and we're wanting to get places and do things. And those are admirable things, let me say that, but they're not for us to determine how we get there. We think, yeah, it'd be great for us to have a GPS, but that's not how God designed our Christian walk. In fact, if we had clear, perfect plans laid out of exactly what we needed to do and how we're going to get there, why would we need faith at all? Right? If we had it all figured out, why would we still need it? But the fact of the matter is, God is pleased with us. Why? Because of faith, right? Faith is what brings us into relationship with God. Faith is what justifies us and brings us into his courts. It is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. Faith is the measure of how you are perfectly known and accepted and loved by your creator. It is faith. It is faith. We don't need step-by-step directions for all of life. Because Jesus has promised that he will be with us to the very end of the age. There's not one millisecond in your trials, in your joys, in your success, in your failures, that Jesus Christ is not with you through his spirit. The reason we are called to trust in the Lord is not so that he can continually test us and beat us down when we fail, but we're called to trust in the Lord because he knows what is best for us. And he is working in his people for our good and for his glory and for the joy of our life. So I ask you the same question this morning. Will you trust God? Will you? What is it today that you are facing that is causing you to doubt God's promises? Is it your shortcomings, your sin, your circumstances, your fears, your doubts? What is it that is distracting you from all that God has said in his word? I have good news for you. I do. Even when we are faithless, He is faithful. Even when we are distracted and we fall short, we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens, and he calls us to come to him with confidence, to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come to him and receive it. There is in every time and in every way, in every circumstance, we can come to him because Christ does not grow weary. His sufficiency is forever. His love has been displayed for us perfectly when he gave his life up for us. 
There's no greater display of love than that. There's no greater display. Joseph was a man just like us, a created being. But God called him to trust him because what God had for Joseph was far greater than what Joseph had for himself. That's true of us. What God has for us is far greater than what we can conceive and think is best for us. The third reminder we have this morning is walk with God by faith. Walk with God by faith. Matthew 1, through 25 is where we're drawing this out of. Let's go ahead and read that again this morning. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin said, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We see Matthew takes divine prophecy very serious from the Old Testament. We see many times where he says all of this happened to fulfill and all of this took place. And we're going to see that he's referencing Isaiah 7.14 this morning. So let's, let's look at what that says. It says, Isaiah 7.14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel encapsulates the mission of God, that the son that was born to Mary would be God with us. Christ has come 2,000 years ago to dwell with us physically, and now spiritually, he reigns in, in heaven, in our, not spiritually, through his spirit, he reigns in our hearts today. He is with us today because he promises that he'll be with us to the very end of the age. This promise of God that Jesus is God with us gives us strength in the here and now to walk with God. It gives us strength to walk with God, to believe God, and to continually be changed and sanctified by God. The heart of this prophecy is to remind the people of the day and us now that Jesus Christ came to live with us, to walk among us. He is with us and he will never leave us. Emmanuel is the eternal reminder that despite what we deserved, God came to dwell with us. He is still with us in this hope Right? This is a truth and it's a hope and it stirs our affection to worship him and to follow him. Listen, God with us is showing us that the grace of God abounded over sin. We deserve death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. But he gave us life. We never measure up. We always fall short. But because of Christ and those who look to him, They are counted as perfect, the righteousness of God, children of the Most High. God himself is our shield. God himself is our protector. He is our provider and he is our sustainer. God is with us. When our hearts and your heart's affections dwell on the fact that God took on flesh and he came to be with us, that will provide everything you need. The gospel will Provide the strength to walk in the commands of the Lord. Walk with him. Walk with him. Joseph awoke from his sleep and he knew that what he had been commanded was from God. And as a devout follower of the Lord, he did what he was created to do. Walk in obedience to the Lord. 
right? He took his wife, they got married, but he knew her not until she had bore a son, Jesus. The response of Joseph is something that we need to reflect on to understand how it is that we are to walk in our life today. Faith enabled Joseph to obey the Lord. Faith, it wasn't his strength, it wasn't his ability, it wasn't his conjuring up enough you know, guts to go say, I'm going to listen to what God has said in the Bible. In fact, the flesh is in hostility with the spirit. There is no way that people who are in the flesh can please God. It's impossible. They must be regenerated. They must be born again. They must come to an understanding of the gospel, believe and receive the spirit of God. He couldn't have done it by himself. He could only do it by faith in what God had said in in the gospel. When we are called to wait on the Lord, we do this by faith. When we're called to trust in God's word, we do this by faith as well. And when we're called to walk with the Lord, we do this by faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Faith is not something that is blind. We all have faith in something. We all trust in something for joy, for purpose, for comfort, for hope. We all look to something and we credit it as our master. The question this morning is, are you trusting in the thing that is going to make an eternal difference? Are you trusting in the thing that can only change you for eternity and change your destiny? Eternity was set on the heart of man, right? We know that there is an eternity. We know and we have a knowledge through creation that there is a God and through special revelation that God has revealed himself through his word. The question is, will you trust it? You were created with a purpose. Hear me, you were. But your purpose is not going to be found when you look within yourself. Your sin, your sin has clouded your judgment, to be able to know how you should live your life. It's clouded it. But listen, Christ clears that false judgment. He gives clarity of how you should live your life when you repent of your sins and trust in him. You receive forgiveness and the word of God brings clarity to the one transformed by the grace of God. And we respond with faith that God gifts us the ability to have. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you ask the Lord, to reveal himself to you and believe who he's revealed himself in the word, he will give you faith. Anyone who comes to the Father through Christ shall receive salvation. The promises of God strengthen us to walk with him despite our fears and despite our confusions. The solution to all of our promises are found in the truth of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. There's not one problem in your life that will not be left unturned in the end. God has the perfect answer to every single one of your trials. He does. Look to him and walk with him according to his word for the glory of his name and for the joy of your life. In what ways, I want to close with this this question. In, In what ways have you neglected to walk with God according to his word? In what ways? I know I have many ways. I exhort you and me to turn to Christ, asking the Spirit of God to empower you to say yes to Him 
and to say no to lack of faith and to say yes to walk in obedience to the word of God. Joseph had a big problem. We established that. But God had a bigger promise. Jesus is always the bigger promise to your biggest problems. Christian, whatever place you find yourself in this morning, maybe it's sadness, maybe it's laziness, depression, complacency, doubt, fear, maybe it's you feel distant from the Lord. Take heart. You have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ the righteous. He was born, he did die, and he did raise from the grave. That is your hope that you too, when believing in him, will be resurrected with him. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You can take heart because he loves you. He will never leave nor forsake you. And I promise you that, not in my own strength, but because he promises you that. The birth of Christ is something we reflect on yearly because too often we forget how beautiful the gospel is and how important Christmas is. Jesus was born to fulfill what God had promised, to defeat sin and to crush the evil one. We get to, as Christians, experience his love and peace that he gives us firsthand. Rest in him. Rest in him. In hardships this season and things you may face, look to him. Turn to him. I want to encourage you that he has something greater for you than you could ever provide for yourself. Following Jesus means listening to his word and obeying it by faith, even amidst the fears and confusions of this world. Let's pray.